So now we've looked at the legislature and we've looked at the executive at the national, provincial and local sphere. And now we're moving on to look at the judicial authority of the country, the third branch of government. When we look at when we consider the constitution and the judiciary, it's important that we keep section one sixty five of the constitution in mind, and this is the particular section of the constitution that vests the courts with judicial authority, right? Which bestows judicial authority on the courts of South Africa. And under the constitution, it is made clear that the courts are expected to function independently. There should be no friend, friend, no chummy, chummy, no I scratch your back, you scratch mine, none of that types of shenanigans. The courts have to operate completely independently from anyone else and they must operate without fear, favor or prejudice, right? So they shouldn't be scared by anybody, threatened by anybody to make a decision. They should operate without that fear. They shouldn't receive award rewards from anyone for the purposes of making a decision. So they should operate without favor and they, should op they shouldn't be biased against anyone when making decisions and therefore they should operate without prejudice. So that is what we mean when we say that the courts must operate independently and without fear favor or prejudice. Now you will see that our country's uh, court system uh, is hierarchical in nature. There's a top-down structure and at the very top we have the constitutional court and like we mentioned after that 2012 constitutional amendment we now know that the constitutional court is the highest court in South Africa as far as any legal matter is concerned. It's the highest court in South Africa on all matters. Then followed, when you take one step below the Constitutional Court, you will see that the Supreme Court of Appeal is our second highest court on constitutional matters. What that means is that the Constitutional Court is bound by its own decisions and all lower courts are bound by the Constitutional Court's decisions. When it comes to the Supreme Court of Appeal, because it is the second highest court, the Supreme Court of Appeal is bound by its own decisions and all lower courts are bound by the Supreme Court of Appeal's decisions, but the Constitutional Court is not bound by the Supreme Court of Appeal's decisions. If we take a step down from the Supreme Court of Appeal, we will see the provincial courts, right? So the Supreme Court of Appeal as the second highest court in the land is not bound by the decisions of the provincial high courts, right? So when we consider the high courts, we have, for instance, the Western Cape High Court, and we'll have high courts sitting in the Eastern Cape, like the one in Bishu. And if we consider the high courts, what we knew under uh, previous, uh, uh, prior to certain constitutional amendments, we knew, for instance, that if there was a decision in the Western Cape High Court, it only bound the Western Cape uh, courts and it did not bound courts in other jurisdictions if it was a provincial decision in the Western Cape. But following certain constitutional amendments, the situation has become a bit more muddled and it's not entirely clear whether one provincial jurisdiction is bound by the courts of another provincial jurisdiction um, as a result of the one high court handing down a particular precedent. But in any event, for your purposes, you need to understand the court structure with the Constitutional Court on top, your Supreme Court of Appeal below that, 
your provincial high courts below your Supreme Court of Appeal, and ultimately at the last and the bottom of the ladder, we have the magistrates' courts, which are divided into the regional magistrates' courts and the district magistrates' courts. Now, when it comes to the judges, how are judges ultimately appointed in our country? It can be quite a contentious, quite a, a, a hot topic issue, uh, quite a combative issue. And you will see that the, the judges are appointed by a commission that is set up uh, under the, the Constitution. The Constitution sets up quite um, clear specifics in terms of who gets to sit on this commission. But this Judicial Service Commission will ultimately listen to interviews. You'll see it on the news sometimes. The JSC is interviewing candidates for the position of a judge. Like recently, they interviewed candidates to, for the position of the most powerful judge in the country, in order to for, uh, for, in order to full fulfill in order to fill the previous justice Mohiming Mohing's chief justice Mohing Mohing's position, they needed to appoint a new chief justice as head of the judiciary, and so they uh, they um, interviewed Judge Zondo, and they interviewed a few others. And you'd also see that the JSC had interviewed Judge Mandisa Maya, right? And so what the JSC does is it submits a list of candidates to the president and states its preferred candidate, but it gives the president a list. So when the Judicial Service Commission, for instance, now recently had to appoint a new chief justice, they had a list and on the list was Judge Maya as well as Judge Zondo. But their candidate that they had elected was Judge Meyer, but it was ultimately left to President Cyril Ramaphosa to decide who from that list he would appoint as Chief Justice, and he ultimately chose Justice Zondo to serve as Chief Justice of the country. Now, when it comes to the Constitutional Court, what the drafters of our Constitution realized is that they didn't want the Constitutional Court to become full, the benches to become full with judges that are eventually fossils and part of the furniture and there isn't space for our, our judiciary, our jurisprudence to be dynamic and, and to be in touch with the realities of what was happening on the ground because there was just these judges that were sitting forever in a day and gathering dust on the benches, right? So what the constitutional drafters did was that they set out very specific um, terms within which a constitutional court judge can sit and serve as a constitutional court judge. You'll see, for instance, in America, uh, a supreme uh, a judge on the Supreme Court can sit for essentially for a lifetime. There is no a limitation on the amount of time they can sit uh, as a judge on the highest court in the in the United States in the Supreme Court. But in South Africa, the Constitution places certain limitations on a judge's terms of office, right? And now we see that when it comes to uh, judicial officers, right, outside of the Constitutional Court, all judicial officers need to resign when they reach retirement, need to retire rather, when they reach retirement age, which is at the age of 75, right? So once a judge turns 75 years old, they hit retirement age and they are forced to step down from the bench. Now, with the Constitutional Court, because we spoke about this dynamicism, dynamics, right, because they wanted this fresh ideas and changeover uh, happening at the Constitutional Court level, they put in a specific term that they, that they um, will be able to serve, right? And so, as a result of the Constitution, together with certain legislation, we now see that the Constitutional Court judges 
can serve a term of 15 years, which is a non-renewable term of 15 years. And if they hit the age of 75, they have to retire. So they either retire at age 75 or they fulfill their full 15 years. However, in instances where a judge has been appointed to the Constitutional Court, but that judge has already served three years as a judge in the country, right, in one of the lower courts in the country, below the Constitutional Court, that particular judge can only serve 12 years at the Constitutional Court. So we have a scenario where a Constitutional Court judge has a non-renewable term. Ordinarily, this will be a 15-year non-renewable term. However, if a judge has already served three years in one of the lower courts, that judge will only be able to serve a 12-year non-renewable term in the Constitutional Court. And regardless of the length of term, when a judge in the Constitutional Court, as in any other court in our land, hits the age of 75, they must retire. In addition, a judge can also be removed as a judge. So a judge is not free from any form of, of discipline or sanction if they step completely out of line. The Judicial Service Commission still has the power to remove that judge from office under certain circumstances. So if a judge um, is grossly incompetent in their, in their job and are not doing what they're supposed to be doing, they're grossly incompetent or they are guilty of gross misconduct, so there's some kind of unethicalness or something of the likes happening there. Or if a judge just is what we refer to as incapacitated, doesn't have the, cap the capacity to do his or her jo um, job any longer, then the Judicial Service Commission has the power to remove that judge from office. However, our con uh, the drafters of our constitution was careful not to give any particular institution too much power. And so the Judicial Services commis Commission's ability to remove a judge must still be confirmed by the National Assembly. And we need two-thirds of the National Assembly to agree to the Judicial Services Commission to remove a judge from office. In other words, we need 66.6% .6 of the National Assembly to vote in favour with the JSC on a, de a decision to remove a particular judge. And of course, this has been placed in the Constitution as such a high bar to prevent judges from being scared to perform their, judge, their, their job because they're scared that they're going to be sanctioned by the Judicial Service Commission. So the JSC in and of itself cannot remove a judge from office for gross incompetence, gross misconduct and incapacity, but they have to have that decision confirmed by the National Assembly by a two-thirds majority, not a simple majority, 66.6% .6 of the National Assembly needs to sign on.